You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis in the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by absolutely nobody today. <laughs> and uh, that's okay, though, because uh, we've got a busy episode and, and a bunch of things to get through today. Frank is, I believe, in the air right now. I'm recording. It's 11 p.m. Central Time. He was due to get back into Austin at about 1 a.m. So, uh, you know. You can you can hardly blame him for thinking that uh, recording a podcast at one o'clock in the morning is uh, not something that he wanted to do after traveling. So I am solo, and as I mentioned, there's plenty to get through because the Bucks, uh, as we all know, winners of sixteen in a row. They've got a double header coming up this weekend against the Grizzlies, and then also the Cavs. So they're in Memphis right now. Uh, they flew out uh, yesterday, and they're ready for this game today. And we've got some injury updates that we're going to get to in a second. Then I'm going to get into a little bit of a conversation on the all-star selection that is going to be coming up after the new year. And it's kind of weird to think about this because uh, it is December 13 right now. And you you think, oh, well, you know, all-star selections, that's still a while away. That's nothing we really need to worry about at the moment. But uh, it's going to come up very quickly. And I think it's worth talking about. This came up a little bit on Twitter during the week. I ran a poll myself regarding Chris Milton, but I think uh, there's another guy that I would like to see come into that conversation. I'm not quite sure he will, but I'll make a little bit of a case for him and probably talk a bit about what he needs to do uh, to get involved in that conversation. And then we're going to wrap this up with a little bit of a mini mailbag. It's not the full-scale mailbag, which, by the way, uh, we are due to do one of those coming up on an off day uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, when we do get a, a spare chance with Frank, we'll set you guys up with a with a mailbag, and you can hit us with all the questions at Locked On Bucks, and also uh, to myself at Kane Pittman and at Frank Madden NBA. Which, by the way, you guys know by now that you don't need to wait for us to say we're going to do a mailbag. You can hit us up with questions uh, any day, as our friend Old Resorter does on most days, and we're going to get to one of his questions uh, before this podcast is out and I think we should start right away with this injury update so let's jump straight into it so Bucks at Grizzlies tonight as I mentioned and I am looking right now at the latest injury report which came out at 8 30 p.m eastern time last night and a couple of guys that we spoke about or certainly one guy we spoke about with with Justin after the game uh, a couple of days ago was Jar Morant for the Grizzlies. And, you know, depending on how you see this, uh, maybe you think this is a, a good thing that he's not going to be playing the Bucs and, and, and the Bucs once again uh, miss out on seeing a, uh, a star player. And yes, he's only a rookie, but I'm going to say he's a star player right now. He's certainly a highlight machine and one of the more enjoyable players to watch in the league. But Jar Morant, he is going to be out. He is uh, missing this game. 
uh, with back injury maintenance, they're calling it. Now, this was, I don't know how many people saw the incident. This was where he ended up uh, flying into the photographers that are just uh, that are situated behind the basket on the floor. He missed some time with that. So uh, being as young as he is, and uh, if you guys have watched this guy, the way he flies around the court, yeah, he's on the floor a lot, and it's not surprising that he's going to be a little bit sore. So Ja Morant out for this one. So uh, the Grizzlies, who have already been struggling, as it is, uh, are going to be missing Ja Morant. And, and Brandon Clark also, he's an impressive young player. He's going to miss this one with a left uh, oblique. Well, also maintenance, so I don't know. I mean, the Grizzlies looking after their young guys seems like a smart thing to do. They probably think that this is a game that they are not expected to win anyway, so uh, maybe they are resting these guys and, and thinking that there's no point putting them out there uh, against a, a Bucks defense that at the moment is ranked first in the league. But more importantly for Milwaukee, Giannis is questionable at the moment, and I have made this prediction before. So maybe I want to, maybe I'm just going to jinx this by saying this, but I would be very surprised if Giannis plays. So uh, the right quad tendon soreness is what is listed once again. Obviously that was what kept him out of the game against the Pelicans. His first game missed for the season. He's listed as questionable for this one. As I mentioned, the Bucs have got a game uh, right back at home on Saturday against Cleveland. So, you know, for mine, I would think rather than give him one day off and then play uh, this game against Memphis and then potentially have the next day off or just go straight back into a back-to-back, it makes too much sense for me that Giannis would miss this game against Memphis. So uh, Giannis questionable. The other one to take note of here is Kyle Korver. He's out with back soreness, but I'm calling it back-to-back soreness because Kyle Korver... Is just old, and there's no need for him to be playing back-to-backs. Funnily enough, in this game against the Pelicans, and I don't think we really got to this on the podcast yesterday, just because, as usual, there was a lot of things to talk about. And also, we know Justin was about to get kicked out of Fiserv Forum from the cleaners. But Pat Connaughton did not play until legitimate garbage time. I mean, he wasn't in the rotation. Sterling Brown was someone who got minutes. We already mentioned that Kyle Corver played uh, 11 minutes on that night. So uh, yeah, Pat Connaughton out of the rotation, which is fine. I mean, he's been playing a lot so far this season. We know he, he himself had a, a bit of shoulder soreness or a shoulder injury earlier in the season, uh, Pat Connaughton. So uh, yeah, he didn't play a lot. So Kyle Corver missing out. This is fine. Sterling Brown might get another chance to play. Pat Connaughton might get a chance to play. DJ Wilson, we've seen, get some minutes lately, which is fun. So, uh, yeah, nothing uh, at all to worry about with, with this with Kyle Korver. We've already spoke about his fit in this team. Uh, hasn't really been hitting those threes of late. But, uh, yeah, either way, he's not a guy that you worry about playing in December anyway. And at this point, he's probably been everything that we thought. He's a guy that's going to play some short minutes with Giannis. Uh, he's going to come out and fire away from three. Hopefully get you some quick points, but he's, he's not really a guy you're playing down a stretch in the fourth quarter. So a game against Memphis in December, nothing to worry about there with, with Corva. So that's the injury wrap there. This game is at 7 p.m. Central time in Memphis. And then, as I mentioned, they're back at Fiserv to play the Cavs at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday night. And hopefully Giannis is there for the, for the home crowd. He's rarely missed two home games in a row. I'm not sure what he, if he would have actually done that. So, uh, yeah, we're hopeful for the, for the people that have tickets for that game that Giannis will be back. But before I move on, I do want to remind everyone that today's podcast is brought to you by Spotify Wrapped. 
If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live or at Locked On Bucks on Twitter, and we'll share and retweet that one for you. And we've had a couple of people uh, do that already. And I just want to say, when it comes up with how much time you guys spend listening to this podcast, listening to me, listening to Frank, listening to everyone else, it is absolutely incredible. And we really appreciate uh, the time you spend because. We mentioned this before, but this is a really fun time to be a Bucks fan. And uh, I've also gone on this rant before, but if you're not getting your uh, Bucks fix in the national media, then this is this is the place to go to for sure. So Spotify wrapped. Don't forget, hit us up with that one. All right, then, guys. Let's move on to all-star selections. This is uh, a worthwhile conversation to have. And as time goes on, probably sometime around the new year, me and Frank are going to get uh, dive a, a lot deeper into this and probably give you our full predictions for who we think is going to make uh, the All-Star team in each conference. But right now, we're you know, roughly a month, a little bit over from when these uh, fan votes are going to come through. We're going to find out who is going to the All-Star game. Uh, in Chicago this year, which will be fun. Hopefully some of, some of you guys that are locals in Milwaukee or you know, potentially Chicago can get out there. I'm hoping to be there for sure. We know Giannis is going to be there. I mean, let's, let's not beat around the bush. Giannis is going to be there. But the question of whether the Bucks get a second All-Star is a, is a really interesting one to me. And I, I did put a poll up on Twitter uh, a, a few days ago. And I got some interesting results from this. And this all started, I was listening to No Dunks. Uh, uh, I, can, I, I don't know what I can call him, a friend of the podcast. He's been on the podcast, Lee Alice, a friend of mine anyway, Lee Alice. They were talking about uh, whether the Bucks would get a second All-Star. And largely the group decided they probably wouldn't. And I, while I would be very surprised if the Bucks didn't get a second All-Star just with the winning pace that they're on, I can understand how that could be an opinion that someone would have. But uh, some of the numbers that I tweeted out for Chris Milton comparing uh, his numbers last year to this year, I think he, Milton is having a, a sneakily good year and certainly the injury hurts him. But I put this poll up, it ended up getting just over 1,000 votes. 47% said yes, 53% said no to Middleton being an all-star. Now, <laughs> I'm always a little hesitant to take too much from any poll results that I put up on Twitter, particularly when it's related to the Bucks, mostly just because a very high percentage of my uh, followers would be Bucks fans. So I think that's fair to say. But I will also say that Chris Milton, as we all know, is just about as polarizing as anyone else on the Bucks roster, maybe Eric Bledsoe. So the fact that you know the result was close didn't really surprise me. Uh, Taz Malice from No Dunks got involved in, in the comments section there and there was a definitive swing in the voting after that. So I would maybe uh, the poll got out to some some fans from some other teams as well and that's what probably swung that. Because as I said, legitimately, I think if you weren't watching the Bucks every night and you just looked at the numbers, you'd say, eh, Chris Milton, 17 points, five rebounds. Uh, that's not all-star numbers. I'm not really excited about that. But when, you, when you're talking about Chris, you really need to look at the, the per 36 numbers. Now, I know that all-star selections aren't based on per 36 numbers. Like I get that. But you, you have to look at what he's done when, when you do that and look at the improvement that he's had literally every single year in his career. His scoring has gone up per 36. So 
right now, Chris Middleton averaging around 27 minutes per game. Last year, he was just over 31. So four minutes less per game. Yes, that has been uh, skewed a little bit because of certainly that game against uh, Oklahoma where he got injured and went out of the game early, but also some of the blowouts the Bucks have had. His minutes are right down. That's, that's, just, that's just what it is right now. But Chris Middleton, last season when he was an All-Star, per 36, he was putting up 21.2 points, 6.9 rebounds, and 5 assists. This season, per 36, he's putting up 23.4, 7.5, and 4.4. And he's doing that with shooting splits of 49, 39, and 89. So he is literally a couple of shots from each range away from putting up a 50, 40, 90, while also uh, averaging 23, 7, and 4 per 36. Like the, the, Chris Middleton is having a quietly fantastic season for the Bucks Now, Milton's never going to be a guy that's going to take over the offense. We've seen that. Even it was a little bit shocking to see him get up 22 shots against the Pelicans yesterday. But with Giannis out, he certainly took uh, the initiative and, and looked aggressive early and, and late. But when the Bucs are on pace to win 70 games, as great as Giannis is, there has to be another guy that gets acknowledged in the, in the all-star conversation, if you ask me. I don't think Eric Bledsoe is in that conversation this year. He was a guy that uh, there was a legitimate debate with Bucks fans around the league. Who should be in? Even some of the media guys you saw voting for All-Star, they would say, yeah, I, I might go with Bledsoe for this. His defense is incredible. His offensive numbers aren't that far below Chris Milton. This year, I don't think that's really a debate. Bledsoe's been fine. He's had a pretty good season. He certainly had big games offensively, but he's also had stretches where he, he's really not doing anything offensively. He's not even getting shots up. And I think the consistency of Milton across the board uh, probably uh, leans you towards saying that Milton has the edge over Bledsoe this year. I think pretty comfortably, even though he's missed those seven games. But uh, as I pointed out on that tweet, I, I think by the time you get to uh, the middle of January or the end of January when the coaches come to, to pick a reserve, because let's be honest, there's, there's no Bucks second play that's going to be picked in the starting lineup anyway. It's going to be a reserve. So it's going to come down uh, to the coaches. And I think by the time that comes around towards the end of January, early Feb, whenever that cutoff is this year, uh, missing seven games is really not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to mean a lot. I mean, that's a big sample size to say, what, seven games? We're not going to give you an all-star berth because of seven games. So I think Middleton has the advantage, but one guy I would love to see get involved in this conversation is Brooke Lopez. I would love Brooke to finally uh, get the credit outside for what he deserves and not just people saying, oh, wow, Brooke Lopez is shooting threes. That's pretty cool. What a transformation. No, I, I want him to get the credit for what he's doing defensively. And <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's going to at all. Like, uh, I don't think it's something that's going to happen, but I think he certainly deserves that. And one number that I want to look at right now, this is the uh, field goal percentage for shots Brooke Lopez is defending within six feet so far this season. So. Brooke Lopez, and this is just, these numbers are staggering. He has defended 180 shots within six feet this season. Opponents are shooting 43.3% on those shots. Like, that is just absolutely ridiculous. 43.3% opponents are shooting at the rim when Brooke Lopez is defending. For reference, Lopez himself is shooting over 60% on those shots, which 
you know, I mean, that's a, a pretty consistent number. That's about average there for, for shooting that, uh, that, that close to the rim. And we've seen before last year, Giannis and, and uh, Bledsoe shooting over 70% in the restricted area or high 60s anyway. So uh, 43.3% at the rim. Brook Lopez has been simply dominant uh, defensively. And this is before you even just look at his uh, blocks per game numbers at 2.3 per game. And we spoke last week a lot about Brook Lopez's defense when it comes to his block percentages at a career high level. The Bucks are the number one defense in the league. They were the number one defense in the league last year. I would say the only thing with Brook Lopez that's going to hold him back is the offensive numbers. And this is where it's tough because we are talking about an all-star game and there's no defense in the all-star game. So it's like, is Brook Lopez even an attractive guy to put in an all-star game? And for that matter, is Chris Middleton? Maybe not. And I, that's why I, I just, I don't think that uh, Brook Lopez is going to sneak into this conversation. But me, as a guy that watches the Bucks every night, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would agree, they would love to see Brook get the, uh, the credit he deserves for what he's done since coming to Milwaukee and not banging those threes. But, uh, yeah, the, the defensive work in anchoring the, the best defense in basketball. So, yeah, Brook, I think it's going to be Chris Milton, but Brook Lopez is a guy that I would like to uh, slip in there. But you guys should hit me up. Who have you got? Are the Bucks going to have a second All-Star? If they are, I think those two are the only guys in the conversation. So is it going to be Chris Milton? Is it going to be Brooke Lopez? And maybe what does Brooke Lopez have to do in the, over the next month to get into that conversation? Right now, averaging just 10.1 points per game. Uh, from three-point land, just 30%. He's just snuck over there as he's hit five threes in the last two games. I think he needs to go on an absolute tear shooting the three to even get into any conversation here. I have no doubt that the coaches respect him, but you know, the 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 question is going to come down to how many spots do they have in this East All Star team, and then do we respect the team, this Bucks team, for winning, uh, being on seventy game pace more than we do guys that are uh, just putting up uh, numbers on bad teams? I'm not so sure. I'm looking at you, probably Andre Drummond from the Detroit Pistons, but it's something to watch moving forward. Like I said, hit me up with what you think about this debate because this is uh, starting to heat up now and it's going to be a fun one as we head towards the All-Star break. Okay, let's, uh, let's have some fun here now. It's time to hit up some of these questions that you guys have sent out. I was really late on this one. Uh, once I realized that Frank was going to be in the air and I was going to be riding solo, I was like, okay, okay, let's have some fun here. Let's get some questions in. Uh, let's see what's on your guys' mind. And we got some good ones. And the first one I want to start with is from Brian Harmon. And first of all, hopefully I pronounce everyone's names accurately. Uh, apologies if I get any of that wrong. But Brian Harmon. He's very active on Twitter. He's always uh, chatting with me on Twitter. He's always getting into the Locked On Bucks account, which is fun. Biggest reason not to trust the Bucks is the first part of the question. And then the second part of the question is, what is the biggest game or what game are we looking forward to the most in December? Three obvious candidates being the Mavericks game next week, the Lakers game next week, and then the Sixers game uh, as well. So, all right. Biggest reason not to trust the Bucks. This is a very scary reason not to trust the Bucs. And I'm not even sure that I don't trust the Bucs. But I would say, outside of Giannis, is Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Wes Matthews, Dante DiVincenzo, all these guys, are they going to hit threes in the playoffs? 
and not even the playoffs. I don't even care about the first or second round. Let's get straight to the point here. When, if the Bucs make it to the final four, can those guys hit big shots? That was the Bucs' downfall last year in the conference finals. We know that. It was tough to watch at times. They went for that home run trade with Nico Miritich last year, who, you know, on trade deadline day, that was just a, that was a great trade. It was a great move by Horst. You get to the point where you're like, okay, we're going for a ring here. Thonmaker isn't going to help us get a ring this year. Nico Miritic genuinely could, and he could have. Not to uh, open up old wounds, but the point differential for that conference final series was six points across the whole six games. Two three-pointers. Those guys really struggled, and Miritic played himself off the court. He, he was shooting that poorly. So, yeah, that's, that's my biggest fear. That's the biggest reason why I would uh, not trust the Bucs. If I wasn't to trust the Bucs, but I do. But uh, you know, until we get to that point in the playoffs, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a scary ride. That's there's no other way to put it. It's going to be a nerve wracking time come April and May, particularly May, if the Bucks get there and in the NBA Finals. You doesn't matter what they've done during the regular season, and they've been amazing. Uh, <laughs> your whole season of what you've done, sixty wins last year. We don't know how many wins this year. It all comes down to that series. So uh, that that's the number one reason for me because I trust everything else. I trust Giannis. I trust the defense. Uh, it's can you make shots? And in the end, that's going to be the difference between a parade uh, or not. And and that's harsh, but that's that's the way it is. So best game to look forward to. I like the Mavs. I like Luka Doncic, but let's scrap that one. That one's out of this equation. It's out of the Lakers and the Sixers. And I would probably even say if Sixers Bucks wasn't on Christmas Day, then I would scrap that one as well. So I guess my answer is Bucks Lakers. Just the way these two teams are rolling. I mean, best best two records in the entire NBA. We know how excited everyone outside of Milwaukee is about the Lakers doing well. Every single media member in the whole friggin' world is just absolutely wetting themselves over the Lakers right now. They're like, well, they're only going to get better. The the chemistry is incredible. LeBron, he's in year seventeen. I can't believe he's doing this. Lakers are playing super hard. And my big concern about the Lakers at the start of the season was, can those two guys get through the season healthy? I mean, geez, they're going pretty hard, aren't they? Considering it's December. Are they going to get through the season healthy? There's a long way to go. There's 60 games left in the regular season. They're playing this hard? I don't know. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. But we do know next week they are going to be healthy. The fire serve is going to be rocking. I mean, you guys saw, for those that were lucky enough to be in there, but then people like me that were watching on TV, that was the one game this year where I was like, holy shit, I wish I was in Milwaukee right now. I was really jealous about not being at that game because that felt like a playoff atmosphere. This one's going to be no different. I was just watching the Nuggets and Blazers game uh, before I started recording here, and Kevin Harlan uh, and Reggie Miller were both saying uh, they haven't been this excited about a regular season game in years. So this is just going to be incredible. I can't wait for that Lakers game. But also... Uh, I mentioned a couple of days ago, this Sixers game, Sixers still undefeated at home. The Bucks streaking. If Milwaukee make it through next week and get to Christmas Day, I think on a, you know, roughly a 23-game winning streak and the Sixers haven't lost at home, I believe it's a 2.30 Central Time tip for that one. Come on. That is going to be incredible. So if the Bucks get through the Lakers... Bring on Christmas Day, but for now, it's, it's the Bucks and Lakers. That one's going <laughs> to be a monster game. All right, I'm going to get to a question now from a friend of the podcast. We've already mentioned him once, Old Resorter. Always bringing interesting thoughts 
it not always agreeing with us, which is good. We don't need you guys to agree with us all the time. I like debating. People know that. He asked whether the drop zone coverage or zone drop coverage, I should say, is a gimmick. And that's what I want to focus on right now because to me, it's not a gimmick because the Bucks have been doing it now for a season and a half. And what was the record that Frank or, or Justin, I can't remember who, what was the record? 82 and 25, the Bucks are under Bud in the regular season? I mean, that's not a gimmick. They ranked number one in defense last year across the regular season. They ranked number one in defense right now in the league defensive efficiency with a defensive rating of 101.1. We already spoke about the dominance of Brook Lopez in the paint. Teams just don't, don't shoot at, at the rim. The Bucks rank number one for shooting opposition shooting frequency at the rim. Just 29.5% of their shots uh, are coming at the rim. Last year, they also ranked number one. That was up at 30.3. So teams have, uh, are even shying away from those shots, which again, <laughs> and maybe this is different for the Bucks when we talk about Brook Lopez's uh, field goal percentage uh, defended uh, less than six feet at 43.3%. Maybe the more efficient shots are away for the rim against the Bucks because you just don't stand a chance in there. But what the Bucks are doing with Brook Lopez and also Robin Lopez. So to go back to that stat from earlier, defense, uh, defense less than six feet at the rim, Brook Lopez at 43.3% ranks number one in the league. Uh, that's for uh, defenders that have had over 100 shot attempts there. I mean, we're going to have give this a fair sample size for this to really mean anything. But Brook Lopez, 43.3% number one. You'll never guess who number two is in the league. His twin, Robin Lopez, 43.4% at the rim. It's ridiculous. And then you go down to number three, who the guy who everyone has crowned as the unanimous defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. Okay, well, what about the two guys in Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez and Giannis? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like pay them a little bit of respect and the number one defense in the league, perhaps. But, that's why this is not a gimmick for Milwaukee because Brooke Lopez, his whole career, had this uh, reputation of not being a good defender. He's been nothing short of elite since he came to Milwaukee. And the reason for that is he doesn't have to leave the paint. He doesn't have to be out there on the perimeter. He's a huge man. He doesn't want to be getting blown by by guards in pick and roll where he takes that one step too far out and all of a sudden the guy's beyond him. Uh, the help isn't there. And that's where teams are scoring at the rim. The Bucs don't want to do that. Bud doesn't want to do that. He's put Brooke and Robin Lopez in a position to succeed. He's put Giannis in a position to succeed. He's put everyone in. He's made their job simple. And I, I always come back to that when I'm talking about this Bucs team. Defensively, the job is simple. We've seen Wes Matthews fit seamlessly into this defense that people had some concerns at his age. Would he be able to do what Malcolm Brockton did for this team? But he has. Now, the concern is that the Bucs... While we talk about the fact that uh, they defend so well at the rim, they do give up a whole bunch of threes. And right now, they're giving up 38.2 per game, which ranks 29th in the league. So they give up a lot of threes. And that is somewhat of a concern. But the thing I always come back to is that uh, offenses are so damn good in the NBA in this day and age that you have to give up something. And if you are taking away the highest efficient efficiency shot in the league better than any other team in the league in the playoffs when things uh, break down and it's more of a half-court game. If your defense stops teams from getting the easiest basket possible, then you put yourself in a position to succeed. I believe that's the way Bud looks at that. So, uh, you know, for mine, it's not a gimmick. 
This is a legit defense. The Bucks have been number one for a long time now. And when you bring up the point of why don't other teams do it? Well, they don't have Brook Lopez and they don't have Giannis and they don't have uh, Eric Bledsoe's ability to go over screens and then defend from the side or from behind and not foul. I mean, the Bucks have unique defensive uh, players on their team which allow them to do that. So hopefully... Hopefully I answered that one a little bit there for your old resorter. What I do know is that you'll hit me back with some, with some uh, other feedback on that, which is what we love. But next question, Brian Kurth at Brian Kurth 3 Again, hopefully I pronounced that one correctly for you, Brian. But Bucks are down five points to the Lakers with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Who would you want in the Bucks lineup to finish the game? Okay, this is really difficult because, first of all, if you're down five, you need stops. So, you, you know, you can't just be thinking straight away, okay, well, we need points because if not... LeBron's going to do what he wants. He's going to get to the rim. Anthony Davis is going to destroy you. You're not going to make up the difference anyway. So I saw quite a few people saying, well, yeah, we should probably go small. I just, I'm not sure. I'm probably leaving Brook Lopez out there for that reason that you need defense if you're down five. We know the Lakers actually don't shoot a lot of threes. Uh, they're ranked really low in the, in the league for three-point attempts per game, 25th. They're only taking 30 a game. And this will be something interesting to watch next week when the uh, Bucks and Lakers play because they don't shoot a lot of three. So this Bucks defense that uh, forces you out into the mid-range and also to shoot beyond the arc, we'll see where that number sits next week. So that's something to watch. Uh, as I said, averaging 33-point attempts per game. We'll see how high that gets against the Bucks. But I like Brook Lopez in this matchup against the Lakers. I don't think he's a team that you need to go small against because he is. Uh, they, the Lakers are a big team. Uh, so I've got Brook Lopez out there. Obviously, I have Giannis and Chris Milton out there. <sighs> you know, I'm probably... I, I I don't want to go against Wes, but I, I'm probably going to go with George Hill and Dante out there. If this is a playoff game, remember as well, we know that uh, George Hill provides you that added space and he's been a knockdown shooter from the outside, shooting over 50% at this point. We saw him playing crunch time last year in the playoffs. Give me George Hill uh, over Eric Bledsoe. And then Dante DiVincenzo. I'm not sure that you can rely on his shot as much as you can, Wes, but I'm kind of cool with the fact if you put George Hill in there offensively for Bledsoe, then your spacing is going to be fine with Chris Milton out there on the floor and also Brook Lopez. Give me Dante DiVincenzo's chaotic defense. He's going to get you a steal. He's going to get you a deflection. He's going to do something crazy, and he's going to get you an easy basket because, remember, he gets those deflections. He turns them into steals. He gets you transition baskets, and the Bucks are back in the game. So... I'm not sure. I probably need more time to, to think about that, and I've just rattled that off the top of my head. But, yeah, give me Hill, DiVincenzo, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez, Bucks down five against the Lakers. Hey, we might see this next week. So uh, we'll see about that. And before I wrap this up, Dan C asked me whether the Bucks are switching more. This is one I know we spoke about getting Dean Maniart on the program at some point soon. We're still hoping to do it. It might end up happening when I get back to Milwaukee, just simply because uh, trying to he's in he's in Europe. I think he's in London or something like that. Frank is in Texas. I'm in Australia. Trying to organize three time zones has just been a disaster. But uh, Dean is going to be the one to to talk about that a lot. Me and Frank have already said yes. The interesting thing about the Bucks is they've tried more. Uh, small lineups this year it feels like than they did last year with either Giannis Ersan, Giannis Sterling Brown at that 4-5 which then puts you in a better position to to switch we saw sometimes last year the Bucks go to switching defense with Brook Lopez but it was rare one game that stands out in my mind was 
uh, in Indiana where Brooke Lopez was switched on to Darren Collison, I believe, a few times. And he did a decent job. But I just think with Lopez out there, you can switch one through four, but uh, they just like Brooke staying at home for all the reasons that I've mentioned a, a number of times through this podcast. So uh, the interesting thing with Dean, when he comes on, last year he was recording all the times that the Bucks were doing that. I think he might be doing something similar this year, so he'll be able to provide some real data with that. But I would say that we've seen, at times, the Bucks go to switching defense earlier in games than we did last year. And that's that's kind of fun to see. It's always been the Bucks break uh, glass in case of emergency defense since Bud came in. They generally stick with that zone drop coverage. And then uh, if the game's getting close or they fall behind, which just hasn't happened much this year, they go to switching defense. And uh, at times that's been pretty dominant. So it's a pretty pretty handy defensive backup plan to have. But there was a few more questions that I'm not going to get to this time. But as I said, if I missed it this time, don't worry. We're going to do a a full mailbag, uh, two-part, maybe three-part, uh, special coming up here in the next couple of weeks when Frank is back on board. But I've spoke by myself for long enough. I try to avoid doing these solo pods, I must admit that. But hopefully uh, this has still been somewhat listenable for you guys out there, but I'm sure you'll let me know. As I said, Bucks, Grizzlies tonight, then Bucks, Cavs tomorrow, doubleheader. I'll be back with Frank after the weekend to wrap up both of those. And what we hope is then going to be an 18-game winning streak for the Bucs. We want to go into next week. We want that Lakers game to both teams at the same record uh, heading into uh, what is going to be you know, one of the biggest regular season games for the Bucs in, in recent memory. But I will leave it there for now. For myself, Kane Pittman and not Frank Madden, who hopefully is about to hit the ground safely, we'll speak to you guys after that game next week.